Okay, so the other day I went grocery shopping with my mom. And uh, where are we at? Kroger. <laughs> I'm not going to use that because it's so bad. It sounds so fake, you know? But it's true. Okay. Specifically the one at Rangeline and Carmel Drive. This really fancy one that just opened last year. It's got everything. A deli with fresh meat, every type of bread and cheese imaginable, and even the occasional ripe avocado. But I wasn't there for any of that. I was actually there for something that isn't unique to this particular Kroger, or even any grocery store for that matter. I was there for the music. Let's see if we can get a better listen to that. You know, the pop and classic rock they play over those tinny speakers in between all the intercom announcements? You can hardly hear it unless you're near one of the speakers, but it's always there. It's something so common that no one really pays attention to it anymore. It's kind of just there. Um, you know what, when you're thinking of a million one things of what you're going to make for dinner, you don't really pay attention. Right. But like maybe the kid who's like, you know, bored because his mom is making him go grocery shopping, he might be listening to it and singing right. along with it. By the way, that's not my mom, just a random person I approached in one of the aisles. I'm not really paying attention to the music, sorry. Right, right. Do you, why do you think they put it on anyways? It's making a good mood or just to get, you know, yeah. relax right, you. Right. Obviously, they do put music there for a reason, and it's probably just as simple as that, to put shoppers in a good mood and provide atmosphere for the place. But that's not where the story stops. On this episode, we're going to look deeply at how this genre of what we would call ambient music came about, the different styles it's taken on over the years, and even how it might affect us on a subconscious level. I'm Patrick Simpson, and this is Melomania. So the history of ambient music can get a little complicated if you try to mention everyone who contributed to it, so I'm just going to simplify it and focus on a few key composers. Now the first guy to ever come up with the idea for ambient music was this really weird French composer named Eric Satie. You may know him from his most famous piece, the melancholy Gymnopédies. Anyways, he may seem like a relatively simple composer from his most famous pieces, but he was actually a bit of a radical. He did a lot of stuff that was really important, but we're just going to discuss this one piece, or rather series of pieces, that Satie called Musique d'Emeblouement, or in English, Furniture Music. They were these short compositions that were meant to be repeated until they became ultimately meaningless to the listener, therefore making them music that's heard but not listened to, the very definition of ambient music. He called it furniture music because he wanted it to be like decor for a place, something that adds to the overall atmosphere but doesn't distract, like an abstract painting on the wall or even a chair 
Each piece was titled by where Sati thought it should be played. For example, the one you're hearing right now is called, in English, a living room. The only public performance of furniture music during Satie's lifetime was during the intermission of a play in Paris, 1920. There were three clarinets, a trombone, and piano, and they were scattered in the corners of the room so as not to draw attention to themselves and to fill up the entire room with music. But when the music started, everyone quieted down politely sat and listened intently, despite Satie desperately rushing around telling people to just pretend the music wasn't there and go about their normal business. So it was basically a failure, but the idea was there nonetheless. But it would be another 50 years before anyone else seriously attempted their own furniture music. So that brings us to the guy who is arguably the king of ambient music, someone that half of you have been waiting for me to talk about this entire time, while the other half has probably never heard of him, Brian Eno. Like with Satie, you may not know his name, but you've certainly heard his work. He's produced everyone from U2 to Talking Heads to Coldplay. He even made the Windows 95 startup sound. But he's best known for being the first ambient composer, going way beyond the simple repetitions of Satie and really establishing what most people think of when they think of ambient music today. It all started when Brian Eno was in the hospital after being struck by a car back in 1975. A friend of his came in and put on a record of 19th century heart music. But he left the volume too low for Eno to actually hear it clearly. He couldn't get up to make it louder, so he just had to sit and listen. Legend goes that he had a revelation, learning to hear music in a totally new way, as a fixture of the environment and not something to be paid attention to. That year, he produced what some would call the first ambient album ever. After Satie, of course. It was called discrete music. It's similar to Satie's furniture music in that it's not meant to be focused on, but it goes way beyond that simple notion to also strive to influence people's moods and help calm them. Three years later, Eno would codify this new genre as ambient, with the album Ambient One, Music for Airports. As you might have guessed from the title, it's meant to be played in airports to help relax travelers. It's the perfect antithesis to the constant buzz and movement associated with airports. So we've talked a lot about how ambient music is not only supposed to be a kind of sonic decor for a place, but also actually affect the behavior of people without them even knowing it. But is it true that music can have that kind of effect even when it's just in the background? I do think that ambient music does affect you. Well, actually, the answer is a resounding yes, at least from Lauren Service. My name is Lauren Service, and I'm a board-certified music therapist. 
Yeah, as a music therapist, I've got specific training as a therapist and a musician and how to use the two together to help patients improve their lives. Obviously, she knows a lot about how music can affect us. Um, but music is special because it really does affect your whole brain. They People have done brain scans while people are listening to music and different types of music. It lights up all areas of the brain, not just one side or one area. And ambient music is no exception. Oh, I think it could definitely help and affect people. I'm trying to think of which airport it is that has that big tunnel in it. And maybe, is it, uh, I can't, is it the Chicago airport? It's actually the Detroit airport. That has a big tunnel to connect the terminals and it's um, got lights and music. Um, that are, it just makes it a fascinating ride through this tunnel that could be terrifying if it was just dark and silent. Mm-hmm. And so that... I I look forward to going through that colorful, um, pretty tunnel every time I go to that airport. So the next time you're in a grocery store, hearing Sister Christian over the speakers, maybe stop for a second. Just a second. But stop for a second. And appreciate it. Because there's a lot more that went into making that happen than you would think. Melomania is written and produced by me, Patrick Simpson. The tracks that I used are, in order of appearance, Disparition's Blue Dreamer, Eric Satie's Gymna PD Number no. One, Un Saloon, and Chezun Bistro, Elias Parashalvar's Grande Fantasia Variations de Bravour, and please forgive my butchering of that French, Brian Eno's Discreet Music and Music for Airports, and this, of course, is Muzak, the true epitome of ambient music. Melomania is a production of 91.3 WHJE, broadcasting from beautiful downtown Carmel, Indiana. Thanks for listening. Hey, uh, you still there? Well, obviously you are, because you're still listening to this. Since you decided to stick around... I want you to try something. Since this whole episode has been about ambient music and how it can affect us, I thought it would be a cool experiment for you to see how ambient music affects you as you go about in your daily life. So what I'm going to do is play a classic track from one of my favorite ambient composers, Aphex Twin, who you may remember from my episode on Radiohead's Kid A. The track is about 7 minutes long, and I'm going to play the whole thing. I'd like you to just let it play over your speakers, or headphones, just loud enough to be audible, but not so loud as to distract from what you're doing or drown out the noise of whatever environment you're in. Maybe it'll affect you. Maybe it won't. Maybe you'll hate it. But I just want you to try it, even if you only last a minute or so. So, without further ado, this is Rhubarb by Aphex Twin, off the album Selected Ambient Works, Volume 2.